Hi, this is Steve Thomas, pastor of the First Baptist Church at Delray Beach. Welcome to our podcast. We study God's Word to apply it to our lives in order to make a difference in this life and in eternity. We hope you enjoy this message. We cry out, we cry out. I've been, uh, we've been married, I've been married with my wife now for uh, 40 Almost, no, past 40 years, over 40 years. And um, it's unbelievable that, uh, that when I went to my father-in-law uh, to propose to him, you know, I wanted to marry his daughter, uh, I was 21, actually I was 20 and she was 18. Uh, we got married, I was 21, she was 19. Now, I, I can't believe that, that, that people actually gave us permission uh, to get married, right? I mean... Uh, I, I, I can't fathom my, you know, my children getting married that young. But, you know, back in the day, back in the 70s, it seems like everybody got married extremely young. I don't know if anybody experienced that. It's weird today, but we got married really, really young. So I do remember that um, after we got married, uh, our, uh, you know, giving back from our honeymoon and all that and, and, and being in our little apartment, my, my wife, Naomi, uh, she, who is, she's a great cook, she... Um, uh, she prepared a very special dinner, our first kind of dinner together in, in our new apartment as husband and wife, as two kids, basically, right? And, um, and so she, uh, she cooked this uh, shrimp creole, shrimp creole. So it's this kind of spicy, saucy shrimp uh, over a better white rice. And, and uh, she serves this, and um, I tell her, I don't eat seafood. And uh, she, she said, no, 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 you, you'll, you'll like this. This is extremely delicious. And I said, you don't understand. I don't eat anything that comes from the ocean. I mean, I don't eat anything. So I don't like even the way it smells. And so, you know, she started to kind of coax me into trying it. At least, at least try, to, you know, try it. And I like, you know, hard-headed, you know, said, nope. I'm not going to eat that. I just I, I I refuse to eat anything that you know swims in the ocean. I I don't I don't want to eat it. And so it kind of started to escalate. You know, it kind of started to escalate. You know you you know what I'm saying? And uh, and all of a sudden she kind of drew the line. He says, "Well, I'm not cooking anything else. So it's either that or nothing." She drew the line, right? And so I said, "Okay, okay." And so uh, I got up. Went to the cupboard and there at the in uh, there our little kitchenette, and uh, pulled out some bread, some peanut butter, and some jelly. Brought it to the table, and sat down and prepared myself a delicious peanut butter and jelly sandwich. She got so furious that literally, and she was like a you know you know she was not a big woman. She was she actually almost ate that whole pot of shrimp creole, which she was so upset with me. We sat there in that table, not speaking to one another, uh, very awkward, her eating her delicious shrimp creole, and I'm eating my peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, all right, because I needed more than one, right? And so what's, what's the moral of the story? Today, I eat seafood, right? Today, I eat, last night, actually, we had mahi-mahi, right? Uh, and I'll eat shrimp, and I'll eat lobster, and I'll eat a lot of stuff that comes out of the ocean, Listen to me. Relationships matter. Relationships matter. They matter to God, 
and they matter to us. God created us relationally. And those are the things that in relationships we, we work out. Uh, relationships take time, take, take effort, take energy. It takes commitment. And, and God shows us the way. God shows us the way to how to relate to one another. I think we, we know that in today's world, in today's environment, uh, there are a lot of relational issues that people are facing. And, 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 and God, in his word, speaks into this. God speaks into how we, his children, should behave with him, with one another, and with those outside of the family. So today, uh, we're going to be uh, focusing on Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. I'm going to be reading from the, in, the New International Version. If you want to follow along with me, you are love to, for you to do that. Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. And this is what the Apostle Paul says here. He says, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any fellowship with his spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being what? Like-minded, having the same love, being of one spirit and purpose. Do nothing, he says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility, consider others better than yourselves. Each you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. And then he says this. This is really the, like the clincher. Your attitude and my attitude and our attitude should be the same as that of Jesus Christ. Will you pray with me? Father, I thank you for this powerful passage in Scripture from the Apostle Paul, inspired by you. Lord, I, I pray, Lord, as, as, as we, your people, are in an environment that has become toxic, Lord, in relationship matters, Lord, we would pray that you would help us through your power, through your Holy Spirit, to live out our lives in a way that would glorify your name in how we relate to others. So, Lord, I would pray simply this prayer that you would, uh, would, would change us uh, uh, that we would, we would leave here differently as we have come in. And Lord, that, we, that you would impact us by your word. In this we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. We uh, have a hard time, if you think about it, of learning mistakes from the past. In fact, let's just be honest, history tends to repeat itself over and over and over again. Those mistakes made by the, our forefathers are made today. In fact, uh, the Bible, the Bible in the Old Testament is, is really the story of the people of God who just had this tendency to make those same mistakes over and over again. And God what? God would be there to relate to them. One of the areas that is uh, obvious is uh, the area of interpersonal relationships that we have with people that we have with our families, with neighbors and friends, our co-workers, our neighbors, all those that are a part of our lives. But this passage it really kind of focuses on or deals with uh, the church, God's people, 
Believers, those who say they're followers of Jesus Christ. And this is where this passage is speaking to us today, if you consider yourself a follower of Jesus Christ. Jesus said in John 13, 35, he said this, By this, by this will all people know that you are my disciples if you love one another. I find it fascinating that, that Jesus himself, our, the one that we followed, said that, listen, the, what, what, what will bring people to, to me is when they see you love others. Jesus was adamant that the credibility, listen to me, the credibility of his message, the message of the gospel, of God's love, rests squarely on his disciples, of those who claim to be his followers. Now, there's, there's, some, there's, there's some really potential uh, dangers. It, it, it's actually kind of twofold. And, and this responsibility that Christ has given his people, his church. The first one is that somehow that we, that we would confuse the message of Jesus Christ. That we would, that we would somehow confuse, water down or confuse it in any way, his clear message. You see, we have to be careful not to, not to send mixed messages. Uh, we can't afford to have the attitude or the philosophy as of do what I say and not what I do. Folks, we, we need to live what we speak, what we, what, what we preach. The other danger is, uh, is wasting our energies and battling and fighting and arguing with one another. I want you to turn to your neighbor who's sitting next to you, if, he is, if you've got a neighbor uh, sitting next to you, and just say, hey, you're not my enemy. Just tell that person, hey, you're not my enemy. You're not my enemy. Listen, we, we're not the enemy. We're, we're the family of God. And we need to be careful not to treat each other as enemies. And, and it's something that, unfortunately, happens in church. Now, getting along, getting along with one another, right, it demands certain things. It demands certain things. First of all, it, 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 that, that we would understand that we would understand what we say we believe. Now that sounds kind of funny. That we would actually understand the consequences, the reality of what we say as the people of God that we believe. Ephesians chapter four, verses four through five says this: There is one body. In one spirit, just as you were called to one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and the Father of all, who is all. So, the word there that we hear in, this, in, this, uh, in that little, those two verses is what? One. We're one. We believe, we believe that God gives people their worth. We, as followers of Jesus Christ, we say, we believe that the worth of humanity is given not by government, not by, 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 by human institutions, but by God. God is the one that gives worth to people. God loves, God's love allows for the existence of humanity. Listen to me, we're still on this earth because God loves us. I'm convinced that Jesus has not returned yet because of love. Listen to me, as I get older, man, I am waiting for the, I'm waiting for the moment that Christ will return. But listen to me, that's a selfish ambition on my part. The reality is that there are people that still need to know Jesus in order to spend eternity with him. 
Because God is one, he wants to make, he wants his people, his children, to be one. To be one. I, I don't know about you, but when, when, when my, I have three children. All of them are now adult uh, children. I'm, I'm, I'm a grandfather and, and all those things. But when my, my kids were small, man, it was, it, was, it was my mission as dad to make sure that my family, my kids would see that they were one, they were family. And it, and it would disappoint me when, when they would argue and fight and bicker. Right? And it's the same thing with God. God wants his people, his church, to be one. It, it also demands that we would understand others. That we would, listen to me, understand other, other people. That we would literally understand others and understand that there are many personalities. The Bible teaches that God created us all in his image. But God is so diverse and so immense that, listen, one personality can in any way express who God is. And so we have this plethora of personalities and all types of people of all race and, and nationalities and, and all types of uh, just, just different, right? All of them the human race, but all of them reflect a, 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 an aspect of who God is. And we are to try to, to understand one another. We need to become students of others. We need to Get to know their facts, their life story. We need to understand who we are. That's why uh, small groups and church is so important. But that's where we, we become more intimate in our conversations and get to know our background. Well, I, am, I, am, I am so in many ways uh, upset and in many ways disappointed what I see on social media where, where people attack one another. And, and, and the reality is they don't even know who they're, that person they're attacking. There's this unfortunate uh, 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 reality that we live these busy lives and we, and we have these knee-jerk reactions and, and there's, there's no time for fact-checking and, and, and making sure we're, what we're saying is accurate. We need to slow down. Listen to me. We need to slow down and we need to, uh, we need to listen to people. But yeah, we need to talk. But folks, uh, we, need to, we need to listen to people. We need to listen to what they're telling us. And, and allow God to use those conversations in order to, to, to shape it and to be able to share the love of Jesus Christ. Like it or not, uh, we are always being influenced. As soon as I woke up this morning, uh, I went to social media. I, I, I drove here and I saw billboards I put on the radio, and there was commercials, and there's this constant, this constant uh, 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 noise and chatter trying to influence the way I think. You go to your schools, uh, those of you who are in university, those of you who are maybe in high school or elementary school, uh, you go to uh, your place of work, and, and there also you are, you're, trying, you're being influenced by others. Listen to me, we can get along. Let me, let me say it again. It is possible for us to get along with one another when we allow ourselves to be influenced by God. You see, this world is constantly trying to influence us to not get along with one another. But God is, God is the God of, who brings unity. He's the God of one. And his message to his people is that we uh, need to allow him to influence us. And folks, listen to me, that takes work on our part. We have to make time. We have to make effort 
to progress. Listen to me, we're constantly being bombarded in this world, especially today, with all the technology that we have. We're constantly being influenced by the, the, the humanistic uh, philosophy of this world. And so we as followers have to make the effort to read God's word, to be in God's word, to, to be at church, to, to learn, to listen to Pastor Steve as he preaches and those that teach. We, we need to really allow ourselves to be influenced. Romans chapter, by God, Romans chapter 8 verse 9 says this, You, however, are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit, if the Spirit of God lives in you. The Bible teaches that there are basically two types of people in this world. Of those not controlled by the Spirit, and the Bible calls that the natural man or the carnal man. Those of, those of you who remember before you were saved, before you became a, a follower of Jesus Christ, your, your life was governed, your, your, your impulses was, was, was governed, your, 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 your actions were governed by what you wanted to do, your natural state, the carnal man. You just did whatever you wanted to do. You were motivated by your sinful nature. You had no control over that. You had no control over selfishness and envy and pride. Those are just things that come natural to sinful people. But then there are those that are motivated by the Spirit of God. Uh, it's just the opposite. When you become a believer in Christ, there is a transformation that occurs. It, it occurs from the outside in where God changes us and transforms us. And Galatians chapter 5 22 through 26 says that, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ, Jesus, have crucified their sinful nature with its passion and its desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us now become, not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. That's, that's essentially how we are to behave. That is essentially how we are to operate as followers of Jesus Christ. Listen, the Godhead is, uh, we, we know the Godhead. We believe as, as followers of Christ that God is three in one, right? We believe in God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And all these three, the Godhead, they influence us. God is influencing us through, his, through this Godhead, through, through, through these uh, through the uh, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Uh, first, we, we see that there's a comforting uh, influence of the Father. The Father's responsibility is to comfort His children. The comfort, he comforts us when we go through trials and tribulations. You, we just heard of, of, of this young lady who was in the accident. We, we've heard of Pastor Steve and, 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 uh, and those that have, who've been affected by the COVID, right? Uh, God, and when we are going through trials and tribulations, right, he comforts us. He gives us, because he's a, he's a loving father. And then we, we in turn, because the father comforts us, then we in turn are to comfort others. We are to comfort others. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 through 4 says this. Praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of what? Of compassion. And, and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all what? Troubles. You got troubles? God wants to comfort you. He comforts you. So that when we comfort those in trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. Isn't that wonderful? That, that listen, God, the Father, is, is there to comfort us. He's, listen to me. Many times when people go through trials and tribulations, they're abandoned. One of the saddest things is when you see people who, who, who have cancer 
And you will see family and friends will somehow just separate from that individual. Because it reminds them of their, of their mortality. I think there's something about when we see somebody suffering that we, we, we understand that could be me. And we don't know how to naturally comfort people, but through the power of, of, of the Father, we are to comfort, we are to draw near to those that are going through trials and tribulations. The encouraging, and only this, uh, God encourages the Father uh, uh, through, through this comfort, but we also see the encouraging influence of Jesus Christ, the Son. We all need encouraging people in our lives. How many here need encouraging people? I mean, I mean, the reality is there is more disencouraging people in our lives, right? Think of your jobs. Think of your neighbor. Think of that neighbor, right? Think of, think, think of that family member, right? Think of that, you know, maybe a mother-in-law, I'm just saying. You know, whatever. You know, like, I mean, there's, there's, there's certain individuals that we understand that when we see them, right? When we see them, we're saying, where's the exit, Right? Listen, we, 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 we need to be the opposite. We, just like Jesus encourages us, Jesus hit us the example. What did Jesus do? Listen, Jesus left his throne. Jesus left heaven. Jesus left his father. And he, he made himself uncomfortable to come down. Why? To encourage us, to love us, and to demonstrate the love of God in our lives. We see also that uh, the sharing influence of the Holy Spirit the word fellowship means sharing. That's exactly what it means. Fellowship means sharing. In the example that we read in the book of Acts, the book of Acts, we see that the early church, the early church shared all things. The early church uh, shared with the poor. Those who had, were less fortunate, they also shared the gospel Listen to me. Listen to me. It's important, yes, to, to share all things, and it's so important to sh uh, share with poor people. But, folks, we also need to share the gospel. Do you understand the most loving thing that we can do is to share the gospel with somebody else? And sometimes, let's just be honest, we, we restrain ourselves. We don't, want to be, uh, we don't want to come across as a religious fanatic, or, or we don't want to become, we don't want to, like, in, in an environment, create tension. But listen to me. If, if, if the gospel is the good news. And we are to share that with people because we love people and we share the gospel just like the Spirit of God helps us to do so. So the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, all these things have positive influences in our lives. Listen to me. We have no excuse. Now listen, we have no excuse. Uh, uh, people who don't know, who don't know Jesus, they, have, they don't have none of this. But if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you have all these positive influences. Yes, we are still going through, we still have to be, we're still being influenced by the negatives. I understand that. Believe me, I understand that. But we have the advantage that we're being influenced by the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And that is an incredible blessing to have in our lives. It's not enough to, to be aware of the facts or, or to be alert, understanding God's influences in our lives. But we, we must also, listen to me, we must also act on what we know. Listen, at some point, all that we learn here at First Baptist, everything we learn, right, at some point, what are we going to do with that? Is it, is it just for me to keep it in and say, well, wow, I have all this knowledge? No, at some point, we must act on what we know. And so based on the passage that we read today, Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 5, we're going to go through this real quick. I want to give you four things we 
we must act upon, okay? Number one, if you're taking notes, if, number one, we, we must live united with each other. We must live united with each other. Uh, verse two says this, Paul says, like-minded, having the same love, being of one spirit and one purpose. Now, Paul, the question I would ask Paul when I read this passage is, Paul, how on earth can we be expected to think and act alike? I mean, look, look, look at this room. We're all so different, right? We have different personalities. We all look different. We're different ages, right? Some are younger, some are older. You know, and, 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 and we have uh, just different races and nationalities. How, Paul, how on earth can you expect us to all act alike? Well, Paul is not asking us to give up our individuality. On the contrary. Variety, listen, this is in God's scheme, in God's purpose, variety, variety is what, what allows for unity. This morning, we, we, we heard the musicians lead us in praise music, right? And we had instruments on stage. And, and those instruments together, right? Together, uh, yeah, they're all different, right? The instruments are different, right? Keyboard and, and guitars and a bass and nobody played the drums, but I see the drums back there. Those are different, those are different instruments. But when, when those instruments play together, I, 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 it, it inspires us. To worship Jesus Christ, right? Well, in the same way, listen to me, we're, we're like an orchestra, a symphony, and God brings us together. And we're not to say, well, listen, you know, I'm, I'm better than you, or you're better than me, or I wish I had that, or what. No, because when we come together and we play together, man, Jesus gets the honor and the glory. To live united requires a knowledge and appreciation of our roles, our, our gifts. And our talents. God has uniquely equipped each one of us to be the church. Secondly, not only are we to live united with each other, but secondly, we are to behave maturely with others. We are to be mature with one another. I have, a, I have, four, I have three granddaughters and one on the way. All, all girls. So I don't know. Everybody's batting girls, Right? And my youngest, I mean, excuse me, my eldest, uh, Eva, she, she's, uh, she's about four and a half. Um, and so she's, you know, she's, she's, you know, she's the one that, she, she's my buddy, right? But, but, but Eva, uh, uh, she's constantly uh, wanting uh, things for herself, right? So it's, 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 it's pretty amazing. If we're sitting around the, di uh, the dinner table and we're going to start picking whatever to eat, she'll look for the biggest item. Like, for instance, she loves bread. And so she's going to choose the biggest roll. Right? Uh, she's going she's gonna to choose whatever first because she, she feels like at her age that she, you know, you know, she deserves first choice. Well, she's, she's four and a half years old. I mean, I, it's cute when you're that age, right? It's not that cute when you're, you're my age acting, like, acting that way, right? Because what? There's, there's a certain amount of maturity that we expect, right? Verse 3 says this. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. I'm going to read it again. Paul says, do nothing. It didn't, didn't say do some things. No, it says do nothing. Nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Now, 
And the original language, selfish ambition, means, believe it or not, I didn't make this up, it means party spirit. And I don't mean like college party spirit, right? I'm not saying that, all right? What I'm saying is like political party spirit. You know, think, think about, think about the, 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 uh, the upcoming election. Uh, think of what's going on today and, and uh, this, this idea that winners take all. That's party spirit. Folks, that should never happen in the church. Because there's no party, it's just one. We're one in Christ. And so there's no division. We're all under the same banner of Jesus Christ. Not only are there, you should have self, uh, selfish ambition, but also he says this word, vain conceit. Now that word in the original language means empty pride. Empty pride. Think about that. Think about those that you know have a prideful spirit. And usually it's empty, Right? It's, it, it, there, there's no, nothing backing it up. Empty pride is based on what I have accomplished. It's what I tell you uh, on my resume, all my accomplishments in life, right? Godly pride. Yeah, there's godly pride. It's based on what God has accomplished in our lives. You see, we got to recognize that, yes, God uses us. And quite honestly, man, a lot of us have done great things, right? We, we've accomplished great things. But we got to take a step back and say, listen, it's by the grace of God, there go I. It's because what God has allowed me to do, God has gifted me. He's given me the talents. He's given me the resources. And I've been able to simply turn around and use what God has, has given me. So I'm not taking credit here. I'm giving the credit to who? To God. Because he is the one who has enabled me and to be able to accomplish these things. You know, there's something that COVID-19 has taught me is that it has reminded me that we're not in control. Think about that. We live in an environment, as Americans especially, that we just feel like technology and medicine and science, that we can come to a solution to things quickly. And, so, and whatever, I mean, we can even talk about reproducing life, right? There's that discussion about, you know, uh, being able to reproduce life and to be able to clone people and all these crazy discussions. Yet there's this little, tiny little virus that hits, the, not in the United States, but the whole world. And it's buckled us on our knees. And, and people are scrambling, trying to find the, 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 the antibodies and trying to find the, the vaccinations and all these things. In the meantime, people are dying and people are getting sick, right? It's just a reminder to me in, in a weird, warped way. It's a reminder that we're not in control. And we can tell people, listen, man, listen, it's just, this is just a reminder that don't put your trust on government or on medicine or on technology or on science. Put your trust in Jesus. That's where our trust should be in. That's where our pride should be in. Thirdly, should, uh, we should act upon uh, how to relate humbly to each other. How to relate humbly to each other. We talked about first, uh, we are to live united with each other. Then we said we are to behave maturely with, it, with one another. And thirdly, we are to relate humbly to each other. Verse 3. In humility, consider others better than yourselves. 
Really? I mean, really, think about that. I mean, do we go around life thinking you're better than me? <laughs> you're better than me, right? That's what he said. Humility considers others better than yourselves. I mean, we consider, our, we consider others before we consider ourselves. Paul is not suggesting that we are, we are, we are to have poor self-esteem. That's not what he's saying, folks. Nowhere in the Bible, listen to me, I want to clarify, nowhere in the Bible does, does the Bible teach that somehow we are to go around with poor self-esteem. I think just the opposite. When we let go of who we are and allow God to drive us, all of a sudden our, our self-esteem grows. If we, have, uh, if we have, instead of good self-esteem, but change the word, take the O out of good, one O, and just put God. If we have God self-esteem, if we have God self-esteem, we will not be self-centered, but Christ-centered. Take the one, that one O out of that good, and you got God. You got God as the one that's, that's giving you that self-esteem. We are to live united with each other. We are to behave maturity with one, with one another. We, are relate, we should relate humbly with one another. And then, and then we are to act sacrificially towards each other. We are to act sacrificially to one another. Verse 4. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Let's read it again. Each of you should look not only to your interests, but also to the interests of others. Now notice Paul is not suggesting that we are to abandon our interests, okay? He's not saying that. But don't, don't allow our interest to be the driving force of our lives. That's, that's, that's what the carnal man does. That's what the sinful man does. His, 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 his life is driven for himself, right? No, he acknowledges that we have interests. We have interests. But listen, our, our, our interests shouldn't be based only on that, but we should also be interested in the well-beings of others. And the key, the key to getting along with others, listen to me, is serving others in the name of Jesus. Verse 5, he, he, says, he, says, he ends it with this. He says, your attitude should be the same as that of Christ. You see, Jesus was a, was a servant leader. He was a servant leader. I mean, I can't think of a greater leader in history than Jesus Christ. But unlike other worldly leaders, Jesus served as a servant. He came as a servant and he died as a servant. And he's taught us that we are to live our lives as servants to others. So the question on the table is this. Do you, do you want to get along with others? I mean, I, I mean, you really have a sincere desire to get along with others. Husbands, if you want to get along, if you want to get along with your wife, serve her. Serve her. Wash the dishes. Do some cleaning. Uh, do some things for her. Cook a meal or take her out sometime. Wives. Wives. You don't have to hook either. Uh, you, want, you, you want to get along with your husband? Serve him. Serve him. Do some things he likes to do, right? Go to a ball game. Do something that he enjoys. You're, you're, you want to get along with your coworkers? Yeah, those coworkers, right? Serve them. It's, a, it's amazing. 
When you serve people, I never forget my, what, my first staff position at a, at, a, at, a, at a First Baptist kind of church in downtown Miami, right? And, and there's this one lady, it was the kitchen lady. Uh, she, was, she was the kitchen lady. You know, you, you know what I'm saying? I mean, I mean, we had this like, you know, Wednesday night uh, uh, deal where, you know, people come in and get, you know, you know, eat there. And she was the kitchen lady. And our staff, the pastor and the other associate pastor, were terrified of her. In fact, you know, she, they would come down and, we, you know, would automate them and she would just kind of kick them out of the kitchen, right? And I know, I kind of, you know, I was a new guy, you know, and I'm thinking, wow, I don't want to be kicked out of the kitchen, right? So I, I just said, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to reverse this. I'm going to change this. So I came in humbly and I just said, hey, how can I serve you? How can I help you? It got to the point where I was, I became, the, I'm, I, was a, I was a person from the staff that would come and speak to her because nobody else could. And it was just simply just a strategy, you know, just loving her and serving her. And she became my friend. Listen, that neighbor, you know that next door neighbor, the guy who doesn't take care of his house very well, and, you know, just, you know, it's just, you know, just everybody doesn't like him on, on, on that street? Serve him. Do something for him. Bring, you know, bring him something. Bring him a meal. Bring him some dessert. Mow his grass. Do something. Demonstrate, demonstrate that, that you love him. You see, this is the opposite advice that the world tells us to do. But whatever the world tells us to do is not working, folks. If you take a look, if you take a step back and you look what's going on in our, in our country, in our world, it ain't working. It ain't working. And fortunately, unfortunately, many believers are falling into that trap. And I'm for, unfortunately, I'm seeing a lot of even pastors and uh, leaders in top, uh, top areas just behaving like the world. Folks, we're not called to behave like the world. We're called to behave like Jesus. Your attitude should be what? The same as what? It's Christ Jesus. So this morning, I want to recap the four things that we've learned this morning. Four things. Number one, relationships matter to God. Relationships matter to God. Number two, remember the facts found in God's word. Number three, allow God to influence you, to influence me, to influence us. And then fourthly, act on what God tells us to do. We are to love God with all our mind, heart, and soul, and we are to love our neighbors as ourselves. Will you pray with me? Thanks for joining us today. If you'd like to support this ministry, go to our website at fbcdelray.com. Also, click the share button so you can share this message with a friend or someone in need as we seek to know Jesus, to know others, and to make him known. We cry out, we cry out.